Hello, friends. Welcome to a special ATC Double Cut. I have two guests joining, repeat guests on the show. It is Bjarni Hannison from Iceland and Jason Haynes from Canada. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And this is uh, not only a special ATC Double Cut uh, for having guests, but it is the very first of a potential continuing sub-series that I think would be fun and funny at the same time. How about a <laughs> podcast about turfgrass math? <laughs> and we've, uh, we've all talked about numbers before and spreadsheets and calculations that we make. And I thought it would be fun if we sometimes have Jason and Bjarni on the show, maybe together, but sometimes because of busy schedules, maybe only one can join us. And we talk about some turfgrass math related issues. So, um, how to do Podcast it when we have and math that's the best mix ever <laughs> <laughs> i think so and i guess my idea for this um my idea for this is that we are not mathematicians i used to be a golf course superintendent you both are golf course superintendents um we're not mathematicians but sometimes we find numbers or calculations or statistics useful in the work and I guess we've all learned by trial and error and study and intuition about how some of these can be applied to make better turf grass conditions. And I want to share some of that, what I've learned. And I think you guys have all um, learned things and would like to share too. So I thought we could get together and do that. What is that kind of your idea also, Jason? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Math has been a, uh, a big uh, or a big important tool for me, um, especially in the last 10 years. And uh, I think it's just kind of cool to be able to talk about it and uh, just so that everybody else knows just all the different ways that you can uh, use it to optimize what we're doing. Yeah, definitely. I, and then moving away from when I started in the industry and, and you were talking about bags per something. <laughs> You know, you know, put a bag of this to that. And you're like, what does that, what does that mean? <laughs> to nowadays, where we have everything pretty much dialed in, we know the numbers, and it's been a bit of a journey um, in that sense. But then again, math used to be my strong point in in school. Uh, I'm a big joke around the Icelandic greenkeeping circuits because I can't spell, <laughs> but I can't do very complicated numbers. So my mind works in the mathematic way, and I, that's why I like. I like the mathematics of the whole thing. And they're kind of important also um, to a point what you're always getting on, Mike, is, is we need to have numbers that we can relate between, you know, so we can understand each other and what we're talking about. Because if I call a British greenkeeper, he tells me he's using a half rate of fertilizer. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's, that's great. Half of what? <laughs> yeah. And so um, I, I know that you both started new positions as head greenkeepers or golf course superintendents at new courses this year. And I think mm -hmm. it, it seems to me that being familiar with some of the numbers that are related to fertilizer rates and growth rates and mm -hmm. the things that are associated with how much the grass grows, maybe how much sand you might put or how often you might mow or something could be useful when you 
move all the way from British Columbia to which province are you in now, Jason? Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. So that's, what is that, 5,000 kilometers? About that. It's, it's from one end of the, the continent, continent to the other. Yeah. And, and, it's, and you also change grasses, right? So now you're on a primarily fine fescue property. And previously you'd been on a ryegrass, boa annua, bank grass, yarrow type of property, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty big changes um, uh, from one place to the other. And, uh, you know, having you know my background with the, the data that I can collect and, and tools that I can use um, has really been uh, important to make that as, uh, as seamless as possible um, to, you know, help me get it right the first time instead of, you know, taking five years for me to figure out what I'm doing. Because there's a lot of things that are different about here versus where I've been in the past. How about you, Bjarni? You went uh, across town, maybe <laughs> up up a couple meters in elevation. Um, yeah, but have but... you noticed that? Does do some of the numbers? Uh, you know, the clipping volume, for example. Uh, is it useful to have that as a technique when you move from yes. one property to, the, to to a new one? Yeah, it's been very helpful for me because I've been uh, busy on construction on one of the courses, so I've been um, very tied up in the construction process of it, which just having those numbers, being able to look at them, uh, I can more comfortably just set my, you know, course managers into, you know, what to do, and then uh, I can comfortably, you know, otherwise I'll be spending way more time monitoring things. There's a cat here invading this podcast. No, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. Catch, but catch yeah, the so video, uh, if you want to see the cat, yeah, yeah, you have to get the. Yeah. So, um, so the uh, uh, it just it makes, makes me more comfortable, sort of focusing. You know, I know what's going on at the course. I can monitor. I can look at numbers. Go out to the course quickly. Just you know, to issue and you know, make sure my eyes are seeing what the numbers are seeing, and then uh, if I didn't have that, I would be spending way more time out. Uh, you know. Guessing a little bit, uh, way more time getting it wrong, I think. Um, so, but, but it's been definitely interesting moving because we were moving grass species a little bit because we were heavy poa on the last property. We're now on more fescue-based uh, sorts. So just different numbers, but you get used to them. And, uh, yeah, I, I bet you've been getting used to some different numbers, Jason, with moving from the traditional type of poa bent grass surfaces from the... Uh, Pacific Northwest to to mostly fescue. Um, what what's the big difference? I mean, I know this is a turf math podcast. We're going to get to that. We'll we'll get to more of the math. But tell me a little bit about the grass. I've been curious to ask you about what what fescue's like. Well, first off, I just I just want to say that with the fescue, like this course that I'm at. It was designed for fescue, so we have massive greens. We have two hectares of greens. Uh, our biggest green is has more grass. We have a single green that has more grass than my first golf course had combined for all the funding surfaces. So really big greens, but even despite that, I've never spent less on fertilizer or chemicals or... Um, uh, or we've never applied less water. Now, the weather has helped us this year, but... Uh, it's it's been uh, 
pretty, I would say, uh, minimalistic, um, which is what this place is designed for. Um, but, you know, for fertilizer, uh, right now we're at two and a half grams per square meter, uh, which is uh, less than a pound, uh, six tenths of a pound. That's about half a pound per thousand square feet. Yeah. And we're putting two to 250 rounds a day, about 180 to 200 golfers plus caddies. Um, and again, because the greens are designed to be massive, we can spread that traffic. Um, and so that's been, been quite uh, interesting to see how little it needs. Um, obviously our growth rates are much lower than when we had POA. Um, so if you're familiar with the growth ratio, I would, I would, uh, with POA, I would try to maintain it at 80%. And here our number is 30%. Um, so it's less than half. Um, when we get down to 20%, it, it starts to, you start to see the, the grass struggle a little bit. Um, so that's been a huge tool for me that we could talk about uh, at a later date in more depth. And we've already discussed it on this podcast before. Um, water is crazy um, because we have you know, eight to 10 inch roots in our pen and greens. Um, we're cutting it, uh, well, I, don't, I don't have the metric height, 190,000. Um, uh, we have eight to 10 inch roots. We can get with the longest times on our moisture meters down to 2% moisture, the MC, before we start seeing wilt. Um, our magic number is probably 4%. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, they like to see it, the grass brown here. And uh, we haven't been able to do that this year because of never ending rain. But, um, but we have got the greens really dry um, and they spring right back, no problem. Where the POA was, you know, more around 20%. Um, and what else? We have clippings, fertilizer, um, water. I mean, those are the biggest differences. Oh, yeah, no fungus, nothing this year. So uh, that's also. Uh, that's nice. Well, completely, completely uh, different from what I'm used to. Hmm. Okay. I I've just messed up my video somehow, which is uh just wait a second. I'm <laughs> Oh my. That that's really interesting. Can you hear me? Yep. All right. So you can hear me. Oh my. What am I doing? <laughs> Well, it's good because most more people listen to this than watch it anyway. Um, but that's a shame because the cat came in there, stole the show. Yeah, you know, well, <laughs> we're going to continue with this uh, because I don't really edit these very much, and as long as we've got the audio, uh, I can just take my picture out of this, and I've got guests, and we can talk about the uh, the lovely blog post. So since this is an ATC double cut. Let's, uh, Jason, I want to talk with you about the growth ratio and, and these things at the end of the season. Um, and I, I will be really interested to hear about that in, in detail. Um, let's, let's look at one of the blog posts that I'll put a direct link to in the show notes. And that is on the seductive attractions of metric units, which is a blog post that I wrote many years ago, and I updated it a couple years ago. And 
I'm I'm seeing this on my screen. I think if you're watching this on YouTube, you should be able to see this. Um, the the direct link will be in the show notes. And if you're listening to it, I'll describe it to you. I, I start off by saying that I grew up in the United States using U.S. customary units, and I started to use metric units when I went to work on, as a golf course superintendent in China and Japan, and I have been using these units ever since. And I like to use the square meter as a base unit. So let's let's talk a little bit about the square meter and some of the things that we can just make these calculations on the fly so easily. Um, I guess, Jason, you grew up in a bit of a hybrid uh, system, didn't you? And then, Bjarni, you would have been pure metric. I'm a purebred mat- metriconian. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, me. I, don't, I don't know what... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were, I mean, in Canada, uh, in, you know, I, I'm born in 85. So everything from that point was all metric taught. But everybody that's older than me, or, you know, 10, 15 years older than me, my parents age 20 years older, uh, they were not taught metric. So um, we're kind of in, in a transition phase where I think my kids will probably be mostly metric. Okay. So a, a square meter is 10.76 square feet. So it's, 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 it's about like one square yard, basically. A square meter is about if you take one step in one direction and then you take a 90 degree angle and take one step in the other direction, you've just covered two sides of one square meter. And it's, it's a very comfortable type of space for me, uh, or a, a very comfortable type of area. And um, so I like to use that as the base unit rather than like a thousand square feet is, I think, kind of the base unit that Americans often use for putting greens. And then around the world for metric, for, for agriculture, it's common to use a hectare. Now, I... I I prefer to use a square meter myself because as I said it's just like it's like one square yard basically you you can see it in front of you I can't see an entire hectare maybe if I was in an airplane or a satellite or a, a drone I could I could see a hectare but it's harder for me to imagine a hectare and then a thousand square feet is just sort of like a convenience unit. But if you have a putting green, it's going to be like 4,280 square feet or 6,000 or uh, where you are, Jason, uh, maybe 20,000 uh, square feet. 35,000. 35, wow. <laughs> so um, I like to use a square meter as the base unit. Um, Can I say the one thing about the good thing about Hector is that a lot of golf courses, golf courses for 18 holes have putting greens roughly, you know, if you total them, that's one hectare. That's often that way. Saying that I'm on a golf course in Utah, and you, Jason, both on golf courses that have unusually large greens because I have 1.6 hectares or, or 16,000 square meters. But that's just when in the golf, when you're dealing with greens, that's why I often switch to hectares for something because it, it gives you an idea of how much you're applying to all your greens. That's, that's, why I, that's, that's why I. That's why I sometimes, sometimes jump between hectares and square meters. But well, the good, good thing, thing oh, 
is that, that you can't do that. that. It's, it's the, the same, same number, just as you're moving the decimal places. So yeah, that's a good thing. You can definitely do that, and you're just changing the square meet. I mean, you're just changing the decimal points. So mm-hmm. it's because uh, pound per thousand, and you switch it over to pounds per acre, become different numbers. Totally right. You yeah, should know I'm not. The yeah, it's 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 not on the same level. So it's uh, forty. Yeah. There's forty three point five six thousand mm-hmm. square feet in one acre. So I, I believe an acre is forty three thousand five hundred sixty square feet, and so it's it's not. You have to remember a lot of things of of here's what the conversion factor is if you're going from thousand square feet to acres whereas with square meters to hectares you just know it's a factor of 10,000 different and mm-hmm. and so that's that's easier once you get accustomed to it um yeah. what else do we have in this blog post so I, so I start off let's see I said first I can see one square meter I can imagine it and I can think of how that base unit will be managed then it is simply a matter of considering how many of those base units of one square meter are to be managed. And then the second point is that the numbers work out in a convenient way in three-dimensional space. And I elaborate on the convenience of this below. And what I'm getting at there is that um, it is wonderful to, with, with the metric system, with the uh, the way that volume is related to distance. And so when you've got one cubic centimeter, so one centimeter is one one hundredth or yeah, it's one one hundredth of a meter. And if you take a cubic centimeter, that is a, now, now we're in volume. And if we take a thousand of those, now we have a liter, which is a convenient amount of volume. And they're all linked together in a way that turns out to be incredibly convenient when we start talking about irrigation, soil water content, clipping volume, and things like that. Yeah, you can move so easily between everything. Um, I remember reading irrigation design books back in the day, and even volume was like ridiculous calculations with all sorts of stuff. And then below, they did it in the metrics, and it was like... <laughs> And they used about a third of the ink they used to print the other stuff. <laughs> so, <laughs> just, just the fact, fact that you can move between distances and into volume is a key thing for a lot of things that we do, you know, like irrigation and stuff like that. And you can even even shift that into pressure because if you look at if you take it from pressure, I mean, uh, one bar is the equivalent of a column, ten meter high column of water, pretty much. So. That's why we often talk about meter hat pressure. Yeah. Uh, so, so you can move, move from pressure, pressure distance, you know what I mean? Just, yeah, that's, so just, use it. that's something that I don't know how to do, but that that is the beauty of using these type of units is there's a lot of things that are, they're all related in a very, very convenient way. Um, so let's see. Well, with the, with the water, I mean, uh, it's, it's super easy with the, the moisture meter because it gives you a percentage. I know uh, it'd be another good talk uh, to spend a little bit more in depth on is, is uh, you know, visualizing or, you know, estimating how much water you need to apply. Uh, if you have, like for me, if I have 
5% moisture and I want to bring it to 10, uh, in the top 10 centimeters, I need to apply 10 millimeters of, or 5 millimeters of water. So it's all pretty easy because that percentage uh, works out pretty nice um, that way. So yeah. it, it makes it super easy for irrigation. Like it's ridiculous how easy it is. Like I don't even need to do the math. It's in your hand. Right. So you, you need to apply 5 liters of water per square meter to apply that. So you look at the ET rates. So the ET rate might be 4 millimeters of water per day and you can then know that you need to apply four liters of water per square meter so it's and that's going to increase or four millimeters of, or four millimeters supply of that square meter is the same amount or of four millimeters and that's going to increase your soil water content in the 10 centimeter depth of the root zone by four percent and and it's yeah. and that's something that is i i think that is so useful that uh, it's worth using the metric system for water just just for that purpose if you're in if you're involved in professional turf grass management yeah especially now that we have moisture meters i mean it just because i'm i'm not i mean i use the et the theoretical number kind of as a base number but ultimately we go out we test it and we know exactly what the moisture is and we know what if we want to bring it to how many you know, millimeters, if our irrigation systems are calibrated appropriately, we need to add. So it's it's super easy to just really dial it in. And I mean, I haven't used my irrigation system this year, but uh, which we're in, you know, early August here, which is kind of crazy. But uh, at my previous golf course, we could maintain our moist soil moisture within a few percentage points for weeks at a time, exactly day after day. Um, and that was just simply by measuring the moisture and understanding uh, how much water we needed to add to, to replace what we were uh, seeing with our moisture meters. It, it's all stuff you can do with imperial numbers, but it just means you need to use different types. You have to transform the percentage into what it is in imperial. That's a different number. Well, in this case, you're just using the same numbers, like 5% actually turns into 5 mil, you know, which is 5 liters per square meter so, so you're always, always using the same, same number, number which i think is the very good reason just to pick it up because <laughs> yeah. using all these numbers get another thing that bothers me too about uh imperial and now you have to uh, tell me if i'm mad or not but why they always speak about when you get less than an inch of anything we talk about et rates and, and less than an inch but, but they always use fractions so it's like three sixteenths you know one eighth and in, in, in my head is sometimes so illogical because sometimes you end up with having larger numbers what i mean by that is like uh picking on up my head here um so you can have larger numbers but they're smaller as in give me an example of this this is what three sixteenth and then you got uh yes yeah, so uh, see i can't do like <laughs> you know what yeah, i mean like, <laughs> Yeah, you get into the thirty seconds of an inch, right? It's it's a yeah, bigger, or 12, bigger number. Or sixty fourths or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, in my head, I'm always like, like if, if if someone you know, can me give me the Allen key of this size, and then says, oh no, actually, I need to go. You know, can you give me this? And I'm like, is he asking for a bigger Allen key or a small? You have to do the math a little bit. I know it doesn't take long, but if you're used to the imperial, you probably visualize that in your head. But it's still illogical. You know, to me, it doesn't make any sense to. Why don't you have a smaller number than an inch, if you know what I mean? <laughs> Instead of saying always, 
0.368 of an inch. Well, I, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you about all of this, um, but I recognize that people that are familiar with the U.S. Yeah. Uh, customary units are going to continue using them. So I mm-hmm. guess uh, if we can share some of the turf hacks, like, okay, with the metric system, it's so easy with the water, for, for example. Yeah. Um, I'm sure some people, especially younger people, you know, if you're just getting into the business and you think you're going to be working in turf grass for the next, uh, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, um, you, you're young enough to say, let's take advantage of some of these, uh, cool things and, uh, make, make it easier and really get precise with the irrigation management and be able to just make all these calculations in your head as you're going around. You don't even have to think about it. Um, it, it just gets like second nature. And I know everybody, everybody does that in their own language, right? Their own thinking language or their own units that they're familiar with. But there's no way that you can get the exact number so quickly as you can if you're doing what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. I don't think. No, and it's it's, but it's tough for a lot of people if you're mentoring under. A, I mean, in Europe it's different, but in, in Canada, if you're mentoring under a superintendent who still is uh, imperial. Um, for me, I started doing metric when I became a superintendent, and I was trying to make more sense of my records because my fertilizer records weren't really telling me much other than what I applied on what date. But I wanted like nutrient rates broken down by month and all these other things, so. That's when I made the switch. I just I think it was like 2000 and probably eight or nine, a couple of years after I became a superintendent where I was like, like I'm just going to make a switch to metric. And then, uh, so I've been for fertilizer and for water. Uh, I've been in metric since then uh, for the most part. I think we're seeing it, uh, a slow conversion with superintendents in the United States, particularly those who are using uh, clip ball, uh, where they're switching to um, milliliters per square meter. Um, now I want to go back to, to that. Um, I, I started off using a hundred square meters as the base unit because then you often have a full liter or two liters cause you, cause you're getting 10 milliliters per square meter or 20 milliliters per square meter. And, and, uh, I, I learned about this in Japan at a golf course that was using a hundred square meters as the, as the base area. And so we were looking at numbers that were one or two liters. Um, and I knew some other people were using milliliters per square meter. And then finally I realized, man, if we use, if we use a square meter as the base unit, now we don't have to worry about whether our clipping volume was 0.6, 0.7, 1.2 liters per hundred. We can just say it was six, seven, 12. And, and, when I when I did that, when I started using those type of units, I remember talking with you, Bjarni, and you said, you know what, Micah, I kind of like 100 square meters, um, and I like working with the leaders, and 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 you you were familiar with like what 100 square meters is. Um, what are you thinking now? Are, have you come around to my way of thinking, where we're on integer values from from one to 100, or have you? persistently stuck with what I now think was a mistaken uh, introduction of units um, on my behalf back in uh, 2014, 2015. I, I, uh, yeah, well, here's the thing. I, um, I've been switching now into the milliliters per, um, 
per, per square meter for because I, I help other guys out with you know setting up their clipboards and stuff and you know help them out with understanding it and i've decided to okay i'll let's use the uh, hopefully universal number of milliliters per square meter but what i found now is that for the stuff that's in the field when you're trying to explain to them these numbers they they don't relate to them very much it Technically speaking, they don't need to. They just need to report back what it is. But I always like my staff to know as much as possible. You know, I'm one of those guys that's very annoying, constantly talking turf to my staff. <laughs> but they, well, you might, might inspire some of them. Um, but so what I found that using liters per hundred, they could relate more to it because they are actually measuring in liters. So they take a middle bucket off, put it into the you know measurement, and they see there are two liters in the bucket or three liters in the bucket. And when you tell them, yeah, if you divide that by the size of that green, that's roughly 1.2 liters. And that visually makes more sense to them. When I talk to them about like, you know, one, you know, 12 mil per square, that seems to be a number like, yeah, they don't seem to pick up on it. So I tend to switch when I'm speaking to people, like am I talking about liters per hundred or whatever, but when I'm recording it now, I do it in the milliliters per hundred. But Thank you. then again, again, it's easy to shift because you're just go, you're just moving that decimal, that point, I, shifting it. I just by sent one. A, I just Same sent a, a email before we recorded this to a golf course superintendent in the United States who I am happy to report was communicating to me about clipping volume in liters per hundred square meters. So here it's an American superintendent using a full-on metric. Um, which, which was awesome. And, um, I converted myself to milliliters per square meter and this it's, it's just natural. It's just like, it's, it's very easy it, to do. It doesn't take a lot of brain power for me to switch. No, the, <laughs> the factor. And it, I agree. I agree. It is easier to say eight yep. than 0 0.8. So I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll agree. To that. And, Definitely. and also, um, I find in communicating with staff, we can also, because generally we might be familiar with the property, so we might know that this green, um, typically we get like 12, let's say we get 10 liters from this green. So, you know, if you're getting more than 10 liters from this green, it's growing a lot. If you're getting less than 10 liters from this green, it's not growing very much. So the, in communicating with the staff, we can just talk about those units if we're familiar with the property. But yeah. then for communicating um, with others or for adding things up over the course of a year, comparing green to green and so on, we need to standardize it. And when I standardize it, I like to standardize with milliliters per square meter. That's uh, that's one thing we do is we have in our lunchroom where my staff will write down what, what they, they, they collected. collected. We have all the holes on one side and we have the dates. And so it's just liters total. Mm -hmm. It's not converted at all. I do the conversion in a spreadsheet. But they could see from one mowing to the next if the growth rate is high or low. Um, I've had people telling me that, uh, you know, they think there's something wrong with their mower because they're not collecting any grass. Turns out they were on the tea mower. <laughs> Things like that. Um, so they're paying. Well, it's good, right? They, they figured it out after a green where normally they would have probably just went and cut 18 greens and done nothing. Um, and then realized at the end, oh, I didn't get any grass because the baskets weren't filling up. So that's, they're a little bit more aware of that. I mean, and it's also like, with clippings, it's also kind of convenient. 10 milliliters per square meter 
for most grasses, not not including fescue, but for bent grass and poa, is kind of a good good number. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're getting that much per day, you're you're probably doing pretty good. Now I'm less than half of that right now, but but for everybody else, like it's a nice easy number. So, were you telling me? Jason, were you saying that the growth ratio that you found that's working good this year on fescue that's getting 200 rounds or something a day or more of a growth ratio of about 0.3 is working great? It's perfect. Right now, we're actually down uh, the weeklies at 0.2 and our monthlies at 0.27. And I'm just, when I go out there and look at the greens, I'm like, you know, they could probably use... uh, you know, half a gram of nitrogen uh, per square meter, um, which, which is for fertilizer, the units I use is, is half a gram and one gram, mm-hmm. which converts to half a gram is about a tenth of a pound and yep. one gram is about a quarter pound. Uh, these are the, you know, have a light rate or a heavy rate. Um, and so that's also kind of convenient if you're doing a really rough uh, conversion from one to the other. Um, and then it works out basically like one bag of urea, like a 25 kilogram bag of urea on one hectare is one gram per square meter. And then I go out with uh, like a ammonium sulfate and it's about, well, it's 0.4 grams per hectare. It doesn't really matter if you get it 0.5 exactly, whatever. There's a light rate is a bag of ammonium sulfate, a little bit heavier rate is a bag of urea. Um, for me, with massive greens, it's even easier to get light rates because I could put one bag of urea on on two hectares uh, quite easily. I don't like mixing bags or measuring. I just just dump a whole bag, so a whole bag or nothing. So. Yeah, you don't you don't like measuring. And I've talked with some other uh, golf course superintendents who also don't like measuring. They just like to use bags. Uh, I I like to be a little bit more precise. And I don't understand why we can't just measure, but I, I leave it to the professionals who do this every day to, uh, to choose the, the way that works for them. Jason, you said that at this time, you may need to get back to work. So that may be a good point for me and Bjarni to continue the conversation and us to say goodbye. And please join us again for a future turf math edition of the ATC Double Cut. And also, let's review the year at the end of the year. And I'm, I'm really interested to learn what you... I'd, I'd like to learn from you what you've learned uh, this year in uh, a different grass and the complete other side of the country, different climate. Yeah, thanks for having me. Two of my favorite topics, grass and math. And uh, yeah, I look forward to sharing more. It's kind of cool with this data to be able to collect it. To, to be able to learn something so quickly um, and then hopefully be able to share what I learned yeah, uh, where yeah. if I wasn't collecting it, I'd really have nothing intelligent to say uh, at the end of the season. So. Yeah. Well, you can, maybe you can join us. We can do a live stream and have a spreadsheet and, and just imagine how exciting that could be. Oh my God. I have all the spreadsheets. It's, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> if, if anybody hasn't seen it yet, I, I have a video on the ATC YouTube channel where I had a chance to visit Jason at the Sunshine Coast Golf and Country Club in British Columbia a few weeks or a month or so before he departed. And I got a chance to go to the control room where it all happens and see all those spreadsheets. We also went out on the course and looked at some frost and 
uh, ball roll and uh, shade issues, all kinds of cool things. So check out that video if you'd like to see where Jason uh, was prior to his current position in Nova Scotia. All right, Jason, thank you for joining us and uh, have a good day. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Okay. Well, I, I can I can get you know comment a little bit on the on the back fullback approach that yeah. you're going for there. Please, I've <laughs> the got a note. One, I've got a note that uh, I've had conversations with three superintendents who've told me that they just do it this way, which to me seems really crude. And I've got a note like, okay, I want to blog about it. So I'm so interested to hear from you. Please. Please, uh, yeah. please tell me. Here's the, here's the thing. Like, like I said before, like often you're dealing with greens that are um, on 18 holes. Uh, they're roughly about one hectare or, or 100 meters by 100 meters, which is 10,000 square meters. Now, so if you take a bag of ammonium sulfate, which includes 21% nitrogen, in that bag you have about 5.25 kilograms uh, of uh, uh, nitrogen uh, or five if you put a full bag of that into your tank and you spray it uh, you're going to get a little bit of color not a massive amount of growth and that's going to work out to be like close to five kilograms per hectare or 0 0.5 grams per square meter so if your greens are roughly in that hectare range that's a very convenient product you just throw straight into the tank <laughs> and you're close enough to the 5k or 0 0.5 gram mark that you're trying to go for um and urea works out to be about 11 point uh so 46 percent uh in a 25k bag is about 11.3 kilograms so that's roughly about 10 uh, a single gram per hectare on your most of your green so you you're quite close by just you know if you want to get a little more growth kick full bag of urea if you want to get ammonium sulfate in full bag ammonium sulfate saying that i don't i tend i measure all my stuff out <laughs> and i try to be hitting a target and, and the guys are opening a bag and putting like 2k out of that bag into the tank and, uh, well see the, so i appreciate that explanation the part that i don't understand i guess mm -hmm. is i i want my rate I want my application rate to be continuous, meaning it's a continuous variable that sometimes mm -hmm. it's going to be zero. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's going to be one. Now I'm not talking about any units here. I'm just saying it's a continuous yeah. number that sometimes is zero. Sometimes it's one. Sometimes it's two. Sometimes it's three. Sometimes it's four. Mm -hmm. And you're saying you, well, our rates could only be zero, 0 0.5 or one. And I'm saying I want it to be every possible number from zero up to one. It could be zeros or I mean, now I'm, I'm yeah. going to express on a scale of zero to 100. So the maximum rate would be 100 and I want it mm -hmm. to be any possible rate. So um, I know Jason's talked about like, okay, if I want the grass to grow faster, I'm going to put some fertilizer. If I don't want it to grow faster, I'm going to not put fertilizer. And maybe it is that simple, but I often think like sometimes I want to put um, 0 0.42 grams mm -hmm. to get just the desired growth rate. And I don't want to put 0 0.5. I want to put 0 0.42. So for me to do that, I need to measure and not just say, yeah. okay, I'm going to choose... Uh, I'm going to choose ammonium sulfate this time, and one bag is going to be close enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, 
I do the measurement myself. I do, you know, we, I want to get this in as accurate as I, as I possibly can, but I can see the convenient when you, when some guys are looking at it and it's like, okay, I'm going to get five or I'm going to get 5.83 in the end of the day. That's going to be a huge difference on playability. Um, and it's just one bag out of, you know, instead of putting a bag in there with 2K of ammonium sulfate in it out of the 25, it's just quick and easy, ripping it, throwing it in. I guess that's what what the idea is, that the difference between, you know, 5 or 5.6, or sorry, 0 0.5 or 0 0.56 grams per square meter they not, might not see it as being that important, you know, playability-wise. Yeah, I I suppose that that is the case. That it, yeah, yeah in the end, it, it may not matter so much if you can get pretty close. But you're still like, if you're just flipping between, so we're talking about rates of whether you're, you're putting down a tenth of a pound or two tenths of a pound. And yeah. um, so I apologize to those who who would really rather we talk in those units. So. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll talk about those units for a moment. So we're talking about whether you put zero or whether you put down a 20th of a pound or whether you put down a 10th of a pound or two tenths of a pound. Now, shouldn't we sometimes be putting down something in between like, and, and, yes. and so, so for me, I, I know, uh, people talk about the grass is growing too fast. Um, so you really, I mean, if the grass is growing too fast, probably you want to consider applying nothing, but mm -hmm. definitely like you want to cut your rates down. So if a 10th of a pound is too much, you want to put less than a 10th of a pound. Mm -hmm. And, uh, any, anyway, I guess that's for me to do a future blog post and, uh, and, and I guess, yeah, I guess if you're always under, I don't know, I just, I want, I don't. How much more time does it take to weigh it? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> I, we've got this scale set up quite simple. You just throw it in the bucket and measure it out and toss it in the, in the sprayer. It doesn't take that much more. I think it's more to do with having a bunch of open bags <laughs> laying around. And I don't know. It's just, I, like I say, I, I do measure the whole thing out. I, um, and I agree with you. It's like if I put down five, it's definitely different putting out uh, 0.5 compared to 0.75 versus mm -hmm. putting out one uh, uh, for you in the pound per thousand land it's <laughs> it's the 120th 115th and 110th I guess yeah um, <clears throat> I definitely see a difference because I, I tend to not go for like one pound per thousand uh, especially on greens going for um, one that 10 kilograms or, or one gram it's definitely something I'm I wouldn't do very much of unless I'm trying to push growth. You know, I'm talking about greens. Yeah, one gram. Yes. Right. Yeah I, yeah. I agree. I, I think one gram, which is two tenths of a pound of fast release mm -hmm. nitrogen. When you apply yeah. that, the grass sometimes, well, the grass has a chance of responding more than you want. Now we're talking yeah. about golf course putting greens here. I think for, uh, football fields or, or soccer fields, yeah. um, that that rate is nothing. Yeah, if you if you want to push a T or something, then obviously that's not going to be a crazy amount of nitrogen. But um, but I think for greens, you know, I like to be more, you know, small doses. Do it more, you know, 
more frequently, just looking at the weather and, and checking on growths and stuff like that. So um, that's why I want to measure it out because <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly. Yeah, well, especially when you've got such a short growing season and you need yeah. to make every application count and you need to take advantage mm -hmm. of the... Uh, growing weather that you do have so you never want to be overdoing it you never want to be underdoing it so yeah yeah so you're let's see you're in august you did do you have any frost yet no we've been having um we had the wettest may wettest june and then the driest july it's been very very strange um we've had 3.3 millimeters of rain in july and uh, uh still what we consider great weather averaging around 12 degrees which is mm -hmm. phenomenal 12 degrees celsius obviously that it is just, it must be like 56 fahrenheit or, or something yeah. right <laughs> no, that's, not your, that's not your high that's not your high that's your average that's a, right so that's my average for the day but our, our average high, high i don't think we've broken, broken we might have broken 20 degrees once for the high uh, but it's been nice like 16 degrees 14 degrees it's a very nice temperature to grow grass in, and for native-born Icelanders, we're, you know, t-shirts and everything. But do you wear, do you wear <laughs> shorts or do you wear trousers? I'm okay. I'm full trousers. I have to admit, but um, it's it's funny walking around town, Reykjavik here, seeing the tourists with jackets and hats on, and, and the Icelanders licking ice cream and <laughs> putting on sunscreen. So it's. Uh, we're just used to a little bit of colder temperatures, but it's a good temperature to grow grass. And if you have the grass, we, we struggled a lot. We had a really tough winter and a lot of that grass. So, and it's coming back from that is very hard. So you've, you've put down a lot of seed to replace it or did you yeah. sod? We've been seeding a lot. Um, now we, we were lucky. We didn't have massive big areas completely dying, but really massive thinning, thinning out. And so we've knocked in a lot of seeds, um, We've locked in, what was it, uh, about 60, 60 grams per square meter of fescue mix. So that's um, 12. 600 kilograms per, per right. hectare. Yeah, that's 12, 12 pounds yeah. per thousand. I put in almost a metric ton of seed into my greens because they're 1.6 hectares, the, the greens in total. There's a lot of seed. Uh, in three separate, uh, yeah, roughly, yeah, roughly about that, uh, and and it's it's just hard to get grass coming back in. But that's where you need to push the growth a little bit. That's where your urea back in the tank. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, playing so in about close to ten, so trying to force force things to grow. But by mid September, your days are short and your growth potential is down because the temperatures yeah. are down. So you've only, when, uh, when you're in early August like this, you're looking at, at how many more weeks where you'd consider you've got decent growing weather. It can be, we can sometimes go through the entire August month being fine growing weather, but sometimes it can, you know, by the second, third week, it can start going down a little bit, tapering off a little bit, but September really is when our average temperatures are around eight to nine degrees, which slows things down quite a bit. And also you don't have this, you're starting to have more darkness. So um, night temperatures can be a little bit colder. So uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's, I've got two, three more weeks of 
half season growth, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, sh- it's a short growing season. So good luck to you with uh, all of that seed and getting it uh, to establish it and and spread as much as it can before yeah. the long long winter. Yeah. The um, so well, we, I mean, sometimes we can we can play golf all the way into November, but. Obviously not great growing conditions, and our our golf rounds obviously go down because we have a lot of summer vacations now. We have, I mean, um, the way we set things up, we have uh, four hundred rounds. Uh, you can book four hundred tee times a day, and there are more rounds than that because that you can play through the night. So, you know, on a busy day, we might get 400, 430, 40 rounds, uh, and in twenty four hours. That's- um, that's a lot. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> it's difficult to do maintenance too when you've got four hundred plus rounds yeah. on the. That's on an eighteen hole basis, right? Yeah. So Jason was talking two hundred, two twenty, was what yeah, they he, were seeing. He has a caddies as well, so we don't have any caddies. So, but nevertheless, I mean, it's it's a lot of rounds that we can have, um, and that's when it comes handy to know your. You know what you're applying, nitrogen rates, how much you need to push growth, uh, how much you don't need to push growth. I think that's also one of the key things of monitoring things. It's like when not, when do you not need to do stuff? Uh, I think that's a key thing as well. Yes, we um, we talked before about the nitrogen rates in mm-hmm. uh, in Iceland, and they seem to be. At the first time I went there, the first time we talked was in 2013. Mm-hmm. And it was, that was just after MLSN had been introduced. And I went and spoke at an Icelandic Greenkeepers meeting in September of 2013. And I talked about growth potential and MLSN. And I ran the growth potential numbers. And it says that in Iceland, it's so cool that you really should, you know, the growth potential is predicting something like six or seven grams of nitrogen per thousand square sorry per square meter uh, which is about 1.2 pounds of nitrogen per thousand square feet per year and it it came or i was informed that it was more common to apply 10 or 12 or 15 i think if i remember Mm -hmm. correctly which seems more like london type numbers or scotland type numbers of course that that makes sense if you went and got educated in those places or you did internships in those places Mm -hmm. but if you're growing grass in a place that's much cooler and has a shorter growing season it seems like it's just going to grow less and maybe maybe we can close with this let's just talk about annual nitrogen rate you -hmm. mentioned that it's important when you're dealing with a lot of rounds um to to make sure that you know what it is and now Gosh, we are, we're 10 years on from that, Bjarni. That was 2013. <laughs> this is 2023. Um, yeah. What do you think is a good uh, nitrogen rate for a 10-year-old uh, mixed sward putting green in the Reykjavik area? I think a good starting point is to be somewhere about 80 to 90 kg. That's about 0.8 pounds per thousand. So, or eight no. to nine grams per square meter. Yeah, that's so. That's one point. That's that's one pound, and 
it's 1.8 pounds, something like that. Yeah. So it's a good starting point, but it de depends a little bit on obviously how busy your golf course is because not all golf courses are, well, regular gear is very, very busy, but it's going to depend on that. Um, I've, for example, right now we are at close to 100K nitrogen for this year, but that's because we were so, because we needed grass to grow quicker, to grow in quicker. It's a bit, a bit of a high number, and we'll probably end up in about 110-ish, maybe 150K. So that's more than two pounds per thousand. One of the reasons what I thought was like, why are we so high on nitrogens compared to our um, growth potential and temperature here? I think another thing is that we don't have a lot of, our microbial activity is going to be lower here and we get less help out of the soil sort of releasing minerals because it's just microbes operate at a slower pace around here. Can I interrupt for a moment? London. Yeah, yeah. So um, people in the United States have been talking because they've been having really high temperatures and then sometimes a thunderstorm comes through and dumps 50 millimeters yeah. or 100 millimeters of rain, saturates the soil, the soil's at field capacity. So now the plant it has all the water it can use. The microbes have all the water they can use. And people are seeing these big growth flushes after mm -hmm. rain. Mm -hmm. And you just mentioned that microbial activity because of the cooler temperatures is, is less in Iceland. Um, do, do you notice when you get a big rainfall that you get this huge growth response? Or, or is it more subdued in, in your cooler temperatures? It's... It's much more to do, but but I I definitely see days when when it, when it happens that we get maybe two three days, say our average temperature reaches about 14, 15 degrees for three days, uh, given it's not that dry as July was this year, but like given you get a little bit of rain at that point, you definitely see a massive growth kick, just like boom, it's like a you know it hits you really really hard. But then when the cold when the temperatures drop down again, and our average is it 12 degrees, 11 degrees, that's normal. 11 degrees is very, I mean, that's very low. 10 degrees is 50 Fahrenheit. So we're talking 52, 53, 54, it's just our normal. But once we're closer to the 60s in the Fahrenheit's and stuff like that, you definitely see a change in how easy it is to maintain grass <laughs> at that temperature <laughs> compared to trying to run your grass at 12 degrees Celsius, 330, 40 rounds every day. You know, it's just, you, you definitely see the difference when that happens. So that's, I think if, if we were slightly warmer by about three degrees on average, this is a tall order to be fair. I think our nitrogen rates would be lower. Yes. I, <clears throat> I had a chance to do some soil tests uh, at your previous property and I was mm -hmm. surprised at how high the organic matter content of the soil was considering mm -hmm. the amount of sand that was being applied. And I, I speculated, and I think I speculated correctly, that the reason for that is because the grass can grow and produce organic matter in the soil. However, mm -hmm. the microbes don't have a long enough active season to really be able to break it down as rapidly as it would if, if, the golf course were at a location that was warmer. So it's like you were double or maybe even a little bit more than double what I would typically see in Tokyo. And Tokyo has a much longer growing season, but it's so hot in Tokyo, 
um, you know, right now the low temperatures in Tokyo are about 27 degrees, um, and the high temperatures are about 33, 34. So you have a, you'll have a soil temperature of about 30 and that breaks down a lot of organic material. Um, and, and you, that's not happening in Iceland. I've, I've seen on a golf course here, it was built on a very pure sand. It was a Lynx course, very, very pure sand. Um, yeah, they, I mean, they applied nitrogen, but they weren't growing grass incredibly fast. There was nothing, you know, nothing like that. And they had an amazing thatch problem, about five centimeters of thatch being built up in six, seven years. And it's just very minimal breakdown taking place there. Um, so they needed to start, you know, top dressing way more, uh, punching holes a lot more, trying to get you know control of the area, which they, they managed to get later on. But just I was I was impressed by how much thatch was able to build up. <laughs> but then again, if, if your if your soil temperature rarely goes above twelve degrees, then yeah, things are going to be a bit slower. Well, and yeah, and you want to make sure that you don't over fertilize in that case where it's not going to break down very much. So mm -hmm. I think. You know, that thatch is a sort of a self-imposed problem. Uh, if you think yeah. it, the grass wouldn't grow that much if we didn't put fertilizer on it. So that's yeah. where some of these numbers, it's like, I don't know. That's, that's when just, having the clip ball and you be able to measure that and seeing, like, am I growing it silly fast? Am I not growing it silly fast? If I'm, you know, our greens are running around eight, seven, you know, maybe nine, ten uh, uh, per day, milliliters per square meter. Mm -hmm. That's the cliff wall we're dealing with at the moment, which is not high. And given the amount of play we have, it's on the low side, and that's great. We we manage to we always can monitor the greens and see see if they're thinning out or not thinning out. Are we, you know? And but having that measurement uh, is so crucial for us for us to be able to you know make sure that we're not making it growing and making the grass grow too fast. Because that leads to thatch issues and having thatch issues in an environment where you don't have a lot of breakdown. We obviously have breakdown. Don't get me wrong, but it's just it's it's not our biggest strength. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I so, yeah. So, uh, do you have enough irrigation water? Let's let's flip over to irrigation. Uh, you you said July. This was one of the driest Julys. You got three millimeters of rain. How much? 3.3 millimeters of rain for the entire month saying that our et rates are running you know on a very good day it's maybe 2.3 2 2.4 mm -hmm. uh you know so it, it's a slow drought <laughs> but yeah. it's a drought nevertheless so we are short by about 60 millimeters of of water mm -hmm. uh now where we have so on the on the because we have two golf courses one of them so it was a nine-holer built. They extended and added 18, they made it 18. So on the back nine, we have full irrigation tees and greens. On the front nine, which are yet to be, uh, we're about to go into a project where we're rebuilding them. So currently, we only have host points on the on the front nine. So this is a year where, you know, if you have a good irrigation system, it was not really a big problem. Um, but where you don't have it, it was a problem. We we can run straight off the mains here in Iceland. Um, so we just, we're using mains water. Uh, Iceland has the highest amount of fresh water per person per capita in the world. 
And I think the second place runner-up has half of what we have. <laughs> so Are dams? Where is that water stored in dams? No, no, it's just it. It's actually stored in the uh, our lava fields. It's pumped out of the lava fields. This is water. This that was groundwater. Yes, groundwater, and um, it's interesting because it's run through. Uh, 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 I don't know the English word for it. We could call it basalt. Um, so it's it's a the pH level of the of the water that we're actually using is about nine, but it's a very pure water nevertheless. So it's very very. It's, it's funny because I had a, had a golf course on the coastline and sometimes when you had these salty storms, it was such a low EC water that you could notice, it, you noticed how poorly it penetrated the, mm -hmm. the surface when you had a layer of salt coming from the ocean on top of it. But we have, like I said, we have abundance of water, so it's not really a problem. This drought through July had no issues on, you know, there was no no problem for you know there was no limitations to drinking water we were not asked to reduce irrigation or anything so it's uh, i know a lot of other people deal with a lot harder environments when it comes to this than us <laughs> yeah it's quite nice which is one reason to be uh very uh knowledgeable about the numbers related to water um yeah i, I also know uh there's a lot of golf course superintendents that still irrigate by time uh, mm -hmm. and they don't know how much water is being applied. And and that can be successful, but it's difficult to commute it's difficult to persuade me that you're that that you're doing it in the optimum way if all you can tell me is that you irrigate for for 14 minutes. Um, yeah, and I would like to know what your ET is, and I would like to know, how much water you applied and ET is expressed as a depth of water precipitation mm -hmm. or rainfall is expressed as a depth of water. And I would mm -hmm. like to know uh, how much water you're applying as a depth of water. Is it, does everybody in, cause like you're saying in Iceland, there's water's not really a big issue because there's so much of it. So do golf course superintendents uh, think of water in time or in uh, millimeters? Uh, I've often come into the uh, uh, and seen and seen the setup of their irrigation systems, and they're obviously not they're very poorly set up. Um, you know, usually just on standard minutes, and the sprinklers might be one might be at three sixty, one might be at one eighty degrees, still running at the same minutes, and. Um, so I've been sometimes coming in and helping guys out setting up their irrigation systems more accurately. Uh, and often it comes down to also poor installation where people haven't taken um, the time to make sure that sprinkler spacing is correct. You know, just throw sprinklers down in convenient places instead of, you know, what's the most accurate way to place them, uh, accurate nozzle selections and stuff like that. But I think we're sort of educating People, people are getting better. I'm actually heading off to the north to help guys out with their irrigation system now later this uh, next week. Um, so people are getting more and more aware of this. Even though we here in Iceland have abundance of water, nevertheless, we shouldn't be... There's no point in being applying too much water. Yeah, you, know, and you have an abundance or, of electricity also. Yes. Yeah. But it's still... It's not free. And Yeah. And I mean, if everyone uses unbelievable amount of electricity, then... We need to, you know, create more dams or, or drill for more geothermal, you know, hot springs and stuff like that instead of just not doing it. <laughs> and it's cheaper for society if we 
if we utilize everything that we have as well as we possibly can. That's just a it's good for everyone if we do that. So therefore, even though I can access a lot of water, I should not be using that water if I don't need it. And from an agronomic standpoint too, it's just better to keep your grasses at the sort of, you know, ideal moisture levels, not over, you know, over applying it. Yeah, I guess, yeah, my, my interest in this is often related to having the best grass conditions. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're talking here about the, the combination of play playing conditions and healthy yeah. grass. That's the yeah, way yeah. we want it. Um, yeah. And to do that, we need to make sure that there's the right amount of water in the soil and to make sure that there's the right amount of water in the soil, we need to apply the right amount as irrigation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I and, think and using the metrics makes this so easy thought process because you had doubt with your TDR, mm-hmm. get your percentage well, I need to add that much percentage. What is that? That's actually millimeters. I can, you know, I can transfer that, and it's the same number. Let's I'm let's re let's let, constant change. Let's close with this, Bjarni. Let's re yeah. let's explain again how mm. that conversion goes for those who uh, who are not familiar with it. So we've got one square meter, and you grew up natively with this. So correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, or or do you want to explain it? Why don't, why no, don't you, you go ahead? I'll, 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 I'll double check, but you, you actually do explain this quite well. <laughs> okay. So we've got one square meter. It's kind of like one square yard, okay? So, yeah. so it's one square meter, and that area is the area on the surface, and we've got grass growing in it. But if we go down four inches, which is about the depth of a root zone, four inches happens to be 10 centimeters. So if we go down the four inch depth or 10 centimeters, it works out that we now have 100 centimeters by 100 centimeters by 10 centimeter depth. That is uh, 100,000 cubic centimeters or 100 liters in volume, which is very convenient. So now we're, we're dealing with a volume of soil and that, that, mm-hmm. that soil volume that we're considering is one square meter, which is about one square yard down to a depth of about four inches but it's, it's 10 centimeters. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that soil, it has a volume of 100 liters, which is really good because 100 is like what percent is based on. So we can express in units of, of percent. So now Mm -hmm. if we have 10% volumetric water content, the VWC that, that, that you see with a uh, soil moisture meter, that is volumetric water content. That is the um, the volume of water in the soil per volume of soil. So if you have 10% water on, and that's what you measure with a soil moisture meter, that means if we're dealing with a volume of 100 liters, which we just said one square meter to a depth of 10 centimeters is, we now know that 10% water in that in that amount of soil is 10 liters of water that's present there and then the convenient thing is if you spread water at the surface it turns out that in one square meter one liter of water spread over the surface is exactly one millimeter in depth so now we can start talking about evapotranspiration or talking about precipitation rates. Mm-hmm. One gallon of water would be three 
0.785 millimeters. So one gallon of water spread over that one square meter would be almost four millimeters of water, which would be... Uh, as long as that's a U.S. gallon, because if it's a U.K. gallon, it's 4.8. So <laughs> I, I, oh my, yeah. So I'm only familiar with U.S. Uh, customary. Units. I had this, I had this argument in the U.K. with a guy. We realized halfway through the conversation, we were both right, but both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, yeah. So I was talking about U.S. gallons there, yeah, US um, gallons, and so. I would encourage people who do irrigation uh, and have to apply water frequently or or um you can you can still stick with with the regular units that you like but just use this particular hack because mm-hmm. uh for every one percent so every one percent of water that leaves the soil so if you go from 12 percent down to 11 percent you've just lost one millimeter so mm-hmm. you're um if, if you've got a quarter inch if if you're evapotranspiration rate is a quarter inch, then that would be six millimeters. And so you could expect that your soil moisture content would go down from about 18% down to 12% in a day in which you used the ET. In fact, I have a couple recent blog posts in which I talk about figuring out your actual site-specific ET and your site-specific crop coefficient, which you can figure out because ET is the results of an equation. But if you just go and measure the difference in soil moisture content, you're actually able to measure how much water actually was lost from the system. And so um, that that's a few numbers. There's the cat again. And I would encourage <laughs> anybody, you can you can catch this on YouTube or listen to it. Um, it's, it's good fun either way. <laughs> His name is Frodi. Try to say that. Frodi. 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 Well, yeah. is is that a house cat or a, a work cat? Oh, this guy runs the show in the neighborhood. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. He's not a hunting cat. This one. He's he he tries to catch the flies. That's about his hunting skills. He's got a brother who's a bit more of a hunter than him. But okay, good. So did did I miss anything with the? With no, the it, it, that, no, yeah. So it is so easy to set up, and um, and also if you're running irrigate, well, I'm used to the rainbird systems. It's so easy to just take the box up the top, uh, given that you set up your system correctly. Just take the box up the top, apply six millimeters, and boom, off you go. If that's your number that you want to, you know, apply. Well, so that's it's so easy. <laughs> I would encourage uh, people to to play with that a little bit. It's fun. Um, it's, it's fun to know how much water you're putting. So you've got the efficiency issue, but you've also got the optimizing playability, making the grass as healthy as possible. Wherever you are in the world, you have a limited growing season. Um, you know, even in Thailand where it's really warm, there's a large part of the year where it's rainy and not really ideal growing weather. So there's certain times of the year that are better than others. And whether you're in Florida, California, New Zealand, South Africa, wherever you are, there's some times of the year that are better than others for growing the grass well. And when you have traffic across the grass, you need to make sure that you take advantage of those good times of the year. So things like getting the water right, getting the nitrogen right, making sure there's no deficiencies of other nutrients. 
and then checking the growth rate and then making further adjustments. It It's all related and it's, it's kind of like a, a modern way of grain keeping that is a little bit related to math or sometimes people talk mm-hmm. about data. Um, and, and the goal of this uh, sub-series of ATC double cuts, this one was very broad and I just wanted to introduce the topic and talk with Jason and Bjarni a little bit uh, and just talk about some of this stuff. But I think if we continue this series, which I think we will try to do, we will be a little bit more focused in the future episodes and we'll say, okay, let's talk about something. So you really narrowed it down there, didn't you? <laughs> well, 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 I yeah. would, I would just well, thinking, yeah. okay, let's talk about mass balance for like nutrient inputs yeah. and nutrient harvest or something. But that's yeah. like really, really useful because people, mm-hmm. uh, people might not realize that once we know the volume of soil, now we, if we know the bulk density of a sand root yeah. zone is one point four then we know that that 100 liters of one square meter, it actually weighs 140 kilograms. So that's yeah. really convenient because now we know the mass of our soil. And so now we know when we add the fertilizer, we know that as it spreads through that amount of soil, here's how much it's going to change the, the parts per million of nutrients in the soil and various things like that. Also, as we harvest, um, so we can do these kind of mass balances. So that's the kind of thing I'm I'm saying, okay, maybe sometime we dive into that as a specific topic yep. or just like the growth ratio, which, um, you know, Jason's been using the growth ratio is pretty cool because mm-hmm. it adjusts the clipping volume based on growth potential. So people often ask what, how much should my grass be growing? And we, well, we say, well, it's normal to get about 10 milliliters per square meter per day or something like that. If it's an active growing season, but then that depends on the time of year, because if it's November or December and you're, you're far away from the equator to the north of the equator, then it would not be common. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you're in, on the, if you're in Tasmania right now in August, it's, it would not be common to be getting that much growth. Um, so it, it really depends. The growth ratio normalizes that based on uh, site-specific temperature. So, so that's that's pretty cool. So there's like, I think for this to be listenable and for it to be, uh, for it to be useful in any way, I think it, it will have to be focused and we can't just jump around with numbers that we're familiar with. But, um, like if you, if you said, okay, let's like start talking about pressure and bars in a 10 meter column Mm -hmm. of water, then you would lose me. And I think (laughs) like, okay, I kind of, uh, I kind of know this, but I need to study it. So if we're going to do that, it needs to be an entire episode about, okay, explain to Micah how this works. So my idea is, is like, let's have some fun and share some of the things that are useful. Um, and I don't know. So we'll, we'll do this some more. We're all busy. We'll do, it's so we'll hard. To, the, it's so hard to get these scheduled and to take time out of everybody's day to. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're in a few parts, parts of the world, world aren't we? There's, uh, <laughs> we're going from morning hours to night times and everything. But we can do it. We can do it. Yeah, we we can. So um, I'll, I'll be happy to hear feedback if anybody has listened to this, um, and so you kind of would get the idea of what we intend. Some. Uh, turf math 
podcasts might be as as uh, part of this ATC double cut. So if if you're watching or listening, I would be happy to hear from you if you think this is the most ridiculous idea you've ever heard, <laughs> and and you're going to unsubscribe, or okay. if if it's something that you think, yeah, if you guys could just talk about something interesting, that might be mm-hmm. that might be good. So anyway, it's fun for us. And I kind of do this show because it's fun for me to have a chance to talk with people like Jason, who uh, I thanked for being on the show earlier and he had to go back to work. And it's such a treat for me to talk with you, Bjarni. Um, We're about due for another meeting. Come to Finland in early November um, and join their Greenkeepers meeting. I'll be there. That's in... That's in November. I might, I might actually do that. I think it's, I think it's November one and two or, or something like yeah. that. And yeah, I, I think there might be one in Paris also. Um, I, I, I haven't announced that one yet. I need to check the details. I need to get my flights, but, uh, yeah. Or maybe you could come to France. This, this all sounds really good. good. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We can do a, yeah, interrail. <laughs> yeah. I'm, Travel down south and, yeah, it sounds good. No, I'll, I'll definitely have a look at that. Good. The, the well, Finnish guys are always doing some interesting stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested. I've never been to Finland, so I'm interested mm-hmm. to go there and and learn from them. I, you know, I learned so much from you and having a chance to see the grass in Iceland and learn about how it's managed and uh, yeah, have that interesting long, long days, but the sun doesn't get very high. Yeah. So you can still have these low ETs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Always fun talking turf. That's that's. Yeah, I get it. Certainly is. And yeah, to to think that there's people around the world um, who are interested in turf to talk about these details like this. Um, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, there's not a you lot of us, but but there's a no, few. You sometimes <laughs> feel alone in your corner and just like, am, am, am I the only one? one? But it's so good, good to sit down with someone and who enjoys talking turf grass mathematics. Even that, that's, that's yeah. great. Well, it's great I think I can't remember whether it was you or Jason who who first mentioned this to me, but it was sort of like a joke uh, of like, yeah, wouldn't it be funny if we pulled up a spreadsheet and said, okay, let's let's talk about how we do some of this stuff um, or let's just talk about like the topics that are math related, mm-hmm. but actually it's really about green keeping. It's about uh, doing the green keeping job better and yeah. maybe even, I don't want to say easier, but being maybe more, more efficient, uh, maybe more efficient, maybe more in control. Cause if you know yeah. exactly how much ammonium sulfate you put down and you mm-hmm. know what the growth potential is and you know the weather forecast and you mm-hmm. know the clipping volume all of a sudden like you can and if you know what your mineralization has the potential to mm-hmm. be all of a sudden you've got wow you've got a lot of information yeah and that actually it just it's just being comfortable with those numbers it doesn't require much work because no. all those things are just, they're just numbers. They're just numbers that you have. Um, mm. You know your fertilizer rate. The clipping volume you can get with a tiny bit of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still very, you know, once you set things up, um, it's 
your staff actually does most of the work. <laughs> so as in, as in collecting the data, we, we just do it live. So I get it. I like to see it live coming in. Mm-hmm. So you can spot numbers if there are odd numbers coming out or whatever. So that's why I make them input it after every single green on their phone. Um, but I'm just looking at numbers. I don't, I don't have to do much more, you know. It's very easy. It's super easy. And people have, have sort of managed to get into doing this. They always find this is a way easier way to do rekeeping than what they did before because it was a more of a trial error sort of approach, throwing out stuff. Oh, that's too much. Instead of being more accurate with what you're doing. So this is, I think it's an easier way to do greenkeeping. Uh, yeah. By measuring there's a lot like of there's a lot of different ways to do greenkeeping. Yeah. And I think this is an easier way too. And I think it's a it's a way for continuous improvement because you're constantly able to look forward and say, okay, mm-hmm. let's adjust these numbers like this. And then you can check it against, it's calibrated against something that you've already done, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that's not to say that you can't get great results doing it in other ways. Um, but if you're interested in this kind of stuff, stay tuned to the ATC double cut because we're going to keep sharing this kind of information. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Bjarni. Thank, thanks for joining. Um, thank you for your insight. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, thanks for having we'll me. be back. I will sign off now for ATC from Trong, Thailand. I am Micah Woods. Bye-bye. <laughs>